Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. What a great week to be a Husker. A fourth straight trip to the Final Four and a 19-point win over your in-state rival in front of a sold-out arena. That's not desperation, Coach McDermott. That's domination. (laughs) All right, I'm also with Mac. What's up, Redcasters? They wrote me back in for another week. The Huskers pull it out just by the hair of their chinny-chin-chin as far as the ranking goes, they smoked Thank- Creighton, and that was fun to watch. That's right. Thanks, Coaches Polo. We appreciate it. We like Mac around here. And also with Boomer. Well, I'm just looking forward to the uh, kickoff of this year's bowl season. The uh, Makers Wanted Bahamas Bowl is just around the corner, everybody. So get excited. <laughs> I do love watching the Bahamas Bowl because there's like like 200 people in the cra- crowd, and you can actually see people sneaking in and whatnot. Yeah, it's disappointing. Uh, it's no longer Popeyes, though. But it's uh, yeah, it's kind of an yes, odd, odd yes. sponsorship now. Yeah. Well, we'll get to some bowl pick'em here in a little bit, uh, but let's start with some Nebraska ball. Nebraska ball. Uh, it was a bit of an up and down week, guys. Uh, last week when we talked about Nebraska ball, uh, the Huskers had just entered into both the AP and coaches poll. I'm pretty excited about that, and we talked about how they needed to go out and get a win up there in Minneapolis, and it sure looked like they were going to. Uh, do that versus the Golden Gophers up by 13 points uh, relatively deep into the second half, but everything fell apart, uh, especially on the defensive end there against Amir Coffey, and we lost uh, the second Big Ten tilt of the year. But uh, bounced back very nicely on Saturday, where, as Honky was alluding to, we had a very busy Husker afternoon. Uh, the volleyball team was advancing to the Final Four as the men's basketball team uh, dropped 94 on the Blue Jays of Creighton. Honky, uh, you had to be very happy with that performance on Saturday. Does it make up for Wednesday's uh, debacle? Well, it, it'll have to <laughs> for us. Uh, <laughs> I certainly enjoyed watching it, and I think uh, Coach Miles, after four, 14 straight losses to uh, Coach McDermott, I think he really appreciated getting the win. Uh, that was a pretty dominating performance, and – Dave, we've had some discussions back and forth. I know Boomer, you and I certainly about you know the amount of three points being shot and good or bad. And I think that was an example of a game where Creighton was doing everything defensively to say we're not going to let you get into the lanes. We're gonna we're gonna force you to shoot from outside. We did it and and we successfully hit them. So I mean that's gonna hopefully change how some other teams down the road play us. Yeah, absolutely. We're not gonna hit fifty percent from three. All the time, right, Boomer? But if we uh, hit it enough like that, you have to game plan, and that that could change how folks defend us going forward. 
oh, I'm confident we'll shoot like this going forward. I mean, there's no reason to doubt it now. So. But, no, you had it right. I, I think the key was just opening it up early like that with Palmer. What do you start with, three straight threes? I mean, yeah. that sets a tone right there for the entire game. And it just made it so easy for all the rest of the starters to contribute and score. I think every starter was in double digits. Uh, you know, Allen had a great game, looked good. And, and what was great about that is, you know, even when Palmer had to sit for foul trouble, we didn't really miss a beat, it seemed like. They just kept scoring, unlike when he was out for Texas Tech and the whole team went into a complete funk yeah, and did nothing in good that game. Com- yeah, this good. They didn't really notice he wasn't even on the floor for the game particularly, so that, that worked out great, I thought. It was wonderful, especially coming off that disappointing Minnesota loss. So they looked like they really recovered and rebounded well. Yeah, that's a really good point. Both Texas Tech and Minnesota, uh, James Palmer struggled, and uh, the rest of the team – was unable to, to pick up that slack. But, Honky, you, you mentioned Thomas Allen uh, a couple times on the podcast as for his defensive skills. Uh, he broke out in a big way on the offensive side of the ball. I think he dropped 18 points. Uh, he was actually able to get to the to the basket, hit a few threes himself. Uh, boy, that will be a, a game changer if he can start to contribute in a big way. Yeah, I you know, he was really getting to the hoop too. So it wasn't just his outside shooting which was his big, you know, coming in here. He was a sharpshooter guy, but I mean, I I got bet he got to the rim 5 6 times at least against Creighton and some of those were on fast breaks, some of them were based off of defensive plays that he made, uh but very active. Mhm. Mac, yeah, what do you Go ahead. I was just going to say he you can kind of tell he's really kind of growing into a role that can be you know he might be a real difference maker towards the tail end of this season if he can kind of keep that kind of play up with Watson and him that another scoring threat another guy who's pretty good about getting to the lane he didn't show any real problem with that and if you know if if Palmer's not willing to or not able to drive to have another guy be able to in there penetrate and then kick out that's a big big weapon to have so yeah that was good to see the crowd um I was fortunate enough to be there for that but it was a great way to start the game. You know, Palmer hitting those threes. We immediately looked like we were ready to play. Uh, the, the crowd was great. The crowd was fantastic. And it was kind of a who's who, you know. The, the governor was there. The mayor was there. Frost was there. Recruits were there. Mm-hmm. You know, Stanley Morgan, Adrian Martinez. It was fun, man. The atmosphere was super, super cool. On top of that, you know, the, the volleyball game's going on at the same time. So every now and then you just get these random cheers, super loud cheers, and it's like, oh, you look up and you find the, the score of the volleyball game, or, or they show Frost, you know. And I was just thinking, like, as a recruit, you know, is anybody really coming in here and seeing that environment and seeing how passionate Husker fans are for their team and just, like, the way we were killing Creighton. I mean, we were killing those guys, and there wasn't hardly any blue in there, and they were mean to the coach. They were mean to, <laughs> you know, like, they're mean to the players. I mean, we don't usually get that ugly. I, I, like, I've never seen them, like, jaw players coming off the, off the court. It was hilarious. That's so, a good, yeah, good point, I mean, man. great environment. It was just a really fun kind of afternoon to have. So, yeah, blast. Had a blast. Hey, Boomer, maybe you want to run with that a little bit. What do you think about this, the whole uh, Tim Miles, McDermott, both got got double technicals, a little testy uh, handshake, and didn't say much in, in the press conference afterwards. Do you think this is uh, something they'll settle? Um, because they, they are good friends off the court, uh, at least in the past. But maybe this is a little bit more to Tim Miles. He had a, a little bit of a uh, issue there calling out Creighton um, – from maybe some of their issues with the recruiting scandal and whatnot earlier this year. Maybe McDermott's a little sour on him right now. What do you think? Well, it certainly seems like it. I mean, just from his own team's performance, he had a reason to be sour because they really kind of got run off the court for a lot of that game. I mean, they did kind of battle back a little bit, but they just 
utterly, you know, generally looked outclassed in that game by Nebraska, and that's the first time that's happened in, gosh, how long has it been? I mean, when's the oh. last time we've really Well, it, it, it was Creighton. seven straight years. Yeah. But they, Nebraska had a sub-performance against Creighton for 20, practically. So Yeah, it, it's been a long time. So I think there was probably a little bit of pressure on McDermott, you know, just kind of getting blown out like that. And this has kind of been a, you know, challenging year for him, like you said, with the, with the questions about him, you know, cutting checks to players to come there, you know, talk about desperation right there. But uh, oh, th- yeah. things like that, so I think it probably wears on you a little bit. And then the game not going the way it does, he gets a little testy. And then, you know, he, he was, you know, hoping to be able to watch his favorite volleyball team, you know, play too. And, you know, couldn't do that, unfortunately. <laughs> so uh, anyone would be a little uptight after that. Yeah, well, I gave, a, you know, last week's show, I gave a bit of a scouting report on Creighton. And they were fresh off of a off of a very good game played against number one Gonzaga. They were up double digits throughout most of the game at, you know, really, they played Gonzaga the way we played Minnesota. They had that lead 30 minutes into the game, and then all of a sudden the last 10 just completely flipped on them. So I was not expecting us to win the game by 19. I was not expecting us to be up 22 points just five or six minutes into it, however you know, however long that was into the game. That was total domination on our part. I, was, I couldn't have been happier. Uh, the right guy stepped up. Um, you know, one guy we haven't talked about, but I, I do want to bring him up just with his, his role seems to be growing is Brady Hyman. And he, you have to go back to the Minnesota game a bit for this, but my goodness, there was one point he was four for four with four rebounds had eight points. I think that was just in the first half. Very active. He's really smart. Yeah. I mean, just, and if we, we always kind of said at the beginning of the season, if we get anything out of that guy, it's just, you know, it's just gravy, right? I mean, we weren't expecting anything. We thought he'd be redshirting. So the fact that we're getting some real good, decent minutes out of both him and Borchardt, um, it's it's great. We've been able to have a nice rotation with four bigs. I, I think yeah. it's cool that this was Miles' best team, and this is not one of Creighton's best teams yet. So instead of making it something it didn't need to be, they handled their business and beat them by about 20. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know we came out and shot really hot from the three-point line at first, and, and that, that built that lead. But but honestly, the game never really got much closer than 10 points. Yeah, the rest and, of ba- point and Ballack did everything yeah. he possibly exactly. could. Exactly. That one him. guy kept them afloat, and we kept them at arm's length the entire time. They got close a couple times, and we'd answer for it. Not to, to me, that was the, the most exciting, most impressive thing, is we won a game we were supposed to. We won it pretty handily at our house. And it was a rivalry game, no doubt about it, but the Creighton was dispatched. You know, and they can, I, I'm, you know, and it was a long time coming and it, sh- and it went down exactly how it should. We have a better team yeah. than Creighton this year. We should have beat them. We did beat them. And it was just, it's nice to have those results. And, and for what it's worth, on the same day that we beat them, uh, another team that we beat, beat by 18, Seton Hall, uh, took care of Kentucky. And, you know, just little things like that. I mean, the Big Ten right now, Dave, Boomer, you guys can probably speak to this better than me, but the Big Ten in general is not going to hurt us. Uh, when it comes to the postseason like it did a year ago. Right now, our conference and the wins that we've had across the conference and in non-conference play are looking pretty good right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's six or seven ranked Big Ten teams. We probably, you know, playing uh, home and aways, I think have nine ranked teams on the schedule right now, all in the Big Ten. So uh, it's only going to get better um, from a strength of schedule standpoint going forward. Uh, let's compare one other thing I want to bring up maybe on basketball is uh, how the team played differently on Saturday opposed to Wednesday and when I I say that it really comes down a lot of times of hustle right we got a lot of the 50-50 balls versus uh, Creighton 
and we were sh- we shot much better versus Creighton than Minnesota. But if we actually showed that type of hustle against Minnesota, we might have had a different outcome as well. I think of Nana Kenton, who's not someone you think is going to hit the floor for a loose ball, um, doing that against Creighton in the first half and making differences, right? You know, and and uh, this team needs to be able to do that on the road too. Any thoughts on on what happened at, at um, Minnesota there on Wednesday? Hard to say on that. I mean, some of it was, you know, just that hustle just seemed to go away. I don't know what it was. With about 10 minutes left, we ended up scoring what? Well, dead. How many more points did it. we score? We got to like 68 points or 70 points. We scored just a handful more in like the last yeah. eight minutes of the game or so. We, we just did nothing, and it was strange. Part of that was, I think, they were kind of nervous just as far as the refereeing was going. They seemed to be letting, you know, coffee go by and do about whatever he wanted. And, you know, we were going to have trouble, you know, with the whistles and getting calls going our way. So that was a challenge. But it just they just seemed to get in one of those funks that, you know, has been a mild staple in the past for some reason on teams. We saw it against Texas Tech, you know, saw it against at the end of Minnesota. Yeah, I just hope that they learned something from this Creighton game and they say, hey, if we play with some hustle like this, we can be a really darn good team. So let's hope they see that and see how it worked and, yeah, it's going to be tough to maintain that same kind of energy every game. You know, against the Oklahoma State might be a little trickier in, in beautiful Sioux Falls, which is lovely this time of year. But uh, <laughs> that's right. You know, it's just just yeah, try a little bit of that hustle all game. See what happens. It could be it could be could be fun. You know, give it yeah, a shot. I mean, right now, loss wise, Minnesota is like top fifteen RPI. So I'll, I'll, we'll see how long they stay there. But that's not a bad loss no, it's, right it's now. A good, yeah, but, it's it's a not a bad loss. It would have been a great win, you know, especially because Clemson has kind of been struggling lately. I'm not sure what they're going to turn yeah. out to be because they've only won, I think, what, one game out of their last four? And yeah, that, and that game they won was uh, the St. Peter's Peacocks, and they won by five. So I'm not sure Clemson's that if good you look at our, yeah. If you look at our team sheet, uh, you know, we're eight and two. Our two losses are both uh, group one teams, and we do not have a win yet in a group one uh, we have group two, three, four, obviously. But our two losses, Minnesota and Texas Tech, are both RPI top 15, and uh, we lost both of those. This so to uh, we got to got to change that uh, come early January when we have you know Maryland and, and Iowa on the road. So anyone else want to wrap this up on basketball? Let's head on into the mailbag. All right. Uh, we're back with the mailbag. And before we get to that, let's talk about the uh, bowl pick that we just put onto social media today. Dave, you set that up. So this is our uh, Redcast Bowl Pick'em Extravaganza, whatever. Uh, but you can get on there between now and Saturday. Is that the first bowl game, I think, Saturday? That Dave? is correct. Game start on Saturday, yes. So Redcasters, get there. Uh, we're going to keep that uh, pinned on our, our Facebook and Twitter feed, so you'll have that link there. But, uh, yeah, get signed up. Let's have as many of you as we can. I think we had 49 or so to sign up during our in-season uh, uh, contest, and that made that a lot of fun. So, yeah, how, sign up. How did that end up, that in-season one? Uh, <laughs> producer Skip finished first, and you were second. That's a good job by Skip. Yeah, and you finished second, Mac. <laughs> we discussed this last week, Mac. Did we? Yeah, it was a popular Did segment. We? I'm sure you were following it. So yeah. We're not dropping any uh, weeks uh, here in the bowl season, though, so you better be ready to, to win everything uh, you can. My formula is tried and true. <laughs> well, on to our, uh, our other piece of social media, the mailbag. And uh, thank you to everyone that, that submitted questions this week. Uh, Go Big Redcast at Gmail. And, of course, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and, and Instagram. Uh, this week, uh, we're going with a question from uh, Boach, 
Clack. He's a first-time mailbagger, and we appreciate that, Boach. Uh, he said, with the departure of so many players since the beginning of the Frost era, what is our current number of scholarships, and what is the maximum number that we can sign in the upcoming class? This is a great question, Boach, and this is something that we actually posted um, a link on Twitter today, and it was from Omaha.com. They had a Husker scholarship distribution chart, and it went down by freshman, redshirt freshman, sophomore eligibility, junior, and senior. And as of right now, this isn't counting any of the incoming freshmen or recruits, and it's not counting the seniors that just left. As of when this chart was created, we had 60 players on scholarship out of 85 total that, that we can have. And then that, that number actually dropped by one today because Justin McGriff, uh, the wide receiver, the freshman from last year that, that chose us uh, over UCF, he just uh, uh, is going to transfer after this semester. So we're actually down to 59 out of 85, which if you're just talking pure numbers means that we have 26 openings. But Dave, I want to kind of hand this over to you because you've been looking into some of this from the NCA and the rules and what you can and can't do. It's not just that we have 26 openings available. We can actually oversign that for a number of reasons, and it goes beyond just the, the NCAA rule of 25. So uh, I'll have let you uh, kind of discuss that. Yeah, it's uh, it's not that simple after all, right? And uh, it kind of starts to explain a little bit on sometimes how the SEC and, and others like Ohio State have, you know, appear to be oversigning significantly. Uh, so the the key here is the idea that you can actually back count some of your early enrollees, which is a phenomenon now that we've seen over the last five or ten years where many players come in uh, essentially on January and are already in for spring ball, right? Well, uh, in that case, you can actually count those players. And I don't know if I've got all my sources correct, but at least five of them, maybe more, can be back-counted towards a previous class as long as that class didn't actually also have 25 um, scholarships in it. And so in Nebraska's case, uh, Mike Riley only signed 20 uh, recruits to his 2017 class. Uh, That was the Tristan Jebbia and Keyshawn and all those. Only had 20, right? So last year, Scott Frost signed 24 players to that class. But we had multiple enrollees that were early. I don't know, uh, Mac, Honky, how many, but I got to feel at least five of them. And so he was able to actually back count those for the 2017 class. So actually, uh, let's say Frost actually only had 19 in, in last year's class. And so that actually allows him to do that again this year with early enrollees, and thus we can not we can actually then oversign beyond twenty five, and um, depending on on how many were back counted last year, uh, it seems like to me we could get um, around thirty or uh, north of that number potentially. Um, now there's a few other things there. There's a, a Big Ten rule where you can only sign twenty eight players within a certain period of time like December through May. But again, if you're back counting those to last year, I don't know if they really apply to that number. So uh, at minimum, we probably can get to 28. And I think likely it's uh, 30 or, or maybe a little bit north of that number. And again, I guess to go back to where we're at right now, we're sitting currently at 59 scholarship guys. So if we did what you just said there, Dave, if we went, if we signed 30 guys, that would put us at 89, which is four over the 85 limit. But again, you're always accounting for certain amounts of attrition. Uh, this is assuming every single guy that uh, is in our recruiting class right now signs with us. 
And right. we'd like to think that will all happen. But again, last week we were talking about Tony Fair and what he might be able to assist at the nose tackle spot. And today he's not part of the class anymore because of what looked like to be grades. So right. there's, there's a lot, a lot of other things. A lot of other numbers to consider there. That's absolutely right, Hunt. At, I mean, there's attrition yeah. there. There's, I mean, last year we, we had 24 signees, right? But actually only 22 made it to campus. We lost mm-hmm. Dominic Watt and uh, the, the lineman. Uh, I forget. Oh, well, yeah, the, Canty, the, the right? Canty that went to yeah the JUCO. Uh, and so, yeah, now those still count, I believe, against you. I mean, if you 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 uh, officially tendered them or whatever, they they still count against your number. But they're not on campus, and they do come off at this point. So uh, there's a lot of factors there, but uh, we can have a big class uh, this year. And my sense is, I think, with the amount of folks that are still going out there on the recruiting trail to get, we, we definitely could go well above 25 this year. And as far as the attrition goes, like Justin McGriff, people shouldn't be too shocked by that right now. This is the time of year where it's normal for these things to happen. Right now on campus, this is finals week, so it's the end of the semester. If there's attrition, you would expect it to happen this week, next week with guys currently. Or if they stick it out and they go through next semester and they go through the spring ball, the next time where you would start to expect attrition to happen would be somewhere in late April, early May when that semester gets done. What is unusual is what we kind of experienced this last year during the season, the Tyjon Lindsay's, the Greg Bells. That's the weird time to be having attrition. But right now, Justin McGriff, you know, and it wouldn't, I'm not guessing who, but it could be another one or two. It wouldn't shock us. This is the time of the year that that's the norm for that to happen. All right. Well, thank you very much, Boach. That was a great question. And uh, uh, keep them coming. Again, GoBigRedCast at Gmail and on our social media. Uh, Lucky, I was uh, looking at uh, Boach's uh, email. I think his name was just Cordell. Yeah, but, you know, I never know what to call people, so I just pick something. He's, I think his... Uh, Cordell, uh, thanks for the great question. Let's Cordell, we appreciate it. Well, and that, you know, now we're now we're giving it, you know, too much information about our, our Redcasters away. I was just picking the... Uh, the the twitter handle but you know whatever all righty <laughs> we'll move on and uh while we're talking about the social media world we had a really good twitter poll out there last week and it was about a lot of the big 10 expansion talk that was going on with oklahoma and texas coming and so with 1066 votes and as always we thank you so much redcasters for for participating and more than just the votes we got a lot of feedback and boomer i'm going to hand this over to you because you were, you got to, you know, uh, go back and forth with a lot of people on this. But the question simply was: We expect Oklahoma, if we were going to expand by two, we expect Oklahoma to be one of the, those two teams. So who would the other one be? And I had Kansas, Notre Dame, Texas, and other as options. Kansas came in with 22 percent. Notre Dame dominated with 59 percent. Texas only had 12% because nobody likes the Longhorns, apparently, still. And other was seven. So, Boomer, I, I want to hand it over to you. Kind of what were your thoughts on the responses and just kind of the general theme of, the, of what the Redcasters thought towards that question? Yeah, it was interesting. I think a couple of ways to look at it. You know, first off, you know, we just acknowledge this is just a rumor. You know, a lot of things going to happen in the next few years. And, you know, given the way Delaney's run these things in the past, you know, they're you had to send up these smoke signals about Oklahoma and Texas, and the next thing you know, we wake up and he's inviting UConn and Liberty into the Big Ten for their TV markets or something like that. So, 
you know, that wouldn't shock me if something like that happens. But um, it was interesting to see everyone's reactions on Twitter. I kind of expected uh, the response we got to some degree. Um, yeah, like you said, Texas is not popular amongst the uh, Redcast fan base. Uh, I, I guess that doesn't shock me. And, you know, people were very, very vocal, uh, expressing their dislike, using lots of colorful language. I won't repeat here since this is a family <laughs> podcast. And, you know, a lot of talk about how they've been known in the past for ruining conferences or at least, you know, contributing to a what feels like a dysfunctional Big 12. I mean, we certainly didn't enjoy our time there, and they haven't done a whole lot of good for it, I think, in its current format. So that was, that was a major complaint with Texas about how they would typically run a conference and things like that. Uh, you know, Notre Dame was a popular choice, local. I thought they would get a little more pushback than they did. You know, Notre Dame's usually not popular among a lot of... A lot of Redcast fans for a variety of reasons. And then there was a just a large contingent of people that voted other. You'd see a lot of responses for you know, programs like Iowa State and uh, Kansas and Kansas State. Some people wanted to bring, you know, both Kansases in in lieu of, say, a Texas and an Oklahoma. Or, uh, you know, even Oklahoma State to come along with it. Mm-hmm. And I guess it just kind of depends on how you're approaching their responses. Is this who they just... If everything was, you know, didn't matter and you could invite whoever you wanted into the conference, sure... Or is it a realistic look about who would make sense for conference realignments or expansion and why, you know, who the Big Ten would pick and why? You know, it's nice to think about schools like Iowa State and Kansas and K-State and, you know, finding a nice fluffy landing spot with us in the Big Ten and bring the old Big Eight back together. But that's not going to happen, you know, for a wide variety of reasons. That's not what any expansion of the Big Ten would be about. It would make zero sense for them to invite Iowa State, K-State, even Kansas. You know, we've talked about that before, you know, in the prior realignment days. Yeah, sure, they're a great basketball school, but, I mean, for God's sakes, we still have more Big 12 wins in, like, the last 10 years than Kansas does. We haven't been in the conference (laughs) for seven of them. So uh, their basketball just does nothing. What realignment ultimately is in the football landscape, yeah, it's about football, and it's about what you can draw for TV contracts, whether it's with your Fox Sports, your ESPN, or, you know, looking in the future with your Amazons, your YouTubes, whatever it's going to be, you know, going forward. And when you talk about realignment in those those aspects, the schools that did come up all the time, Notre Dame, yeah, that could make sense, but Oklahoma and Texas, you'd see those two schools coming in. That would make the Big Ten probably the premier football conference. Could you imagine the rights they could probably demand? If you think of the, yeah. just the population Content base. Content is king. Yeah, I mean, yeah. my goodness, well, the... Well, Boomer, to that to your point there, I mean, this is kind of an education, so to speak, for you know, to the to the people that were responding there about what is it that the Big Ten's really looking for? What what's Delaney looking to, to do with this move? And Dave, I know you and I have had that conversation. TV markets and 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 just generally speaking, bringing in power schools and and, and more population are, are the route to go. And and as as much as uh, you know, Matt Campbell's maxed out what he can do with Iowa State. Uh, Iowa State doesn't bring anything to the table in that sense. Sure, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's a little bit different, you know. I mean, a lot of the comments, I, 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 and I think it's great that people like to get engaged in these conversations. I, I find them fascinating. Uh, but things have evolved a lot just even since the last time we really talked about expansion with Nebraska, 2010, 2011, in the sense that it, it's not just TV markets. That's it's talking about, like, you know, cable and carriage rights and all those type of things. Those were buzzwords right back then. And reality is, is maybe the 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 cable package will be a smaller percentage of that um, that money this time around. But uh, as Boomer alluded to, there is going to be probably new and expanding ways to watch 
live sporting events going forward with uh, Amazon and, and uh, Hulu and you name it, uh, starting to actually get into this uh, the bidding rights for, for these games. And that's that's a, a game changer in the sense that it's maybe not just the, the, the market itself, but it's also the content, right? And Texas and Oklahoma will bring eyeballs to the screen in, in the biggest way, right? And uh, Delaney alluded to this a little bit, talking about, you know, um, the Big Ten potentially getting rid of divisions, right? Um, because they want to match up the best potential uh, teams at the end of the year. And, um, but also said that, uh, that they also want to stick with nine games and the schedule, the conference schedule, right? So that's all about content. Fox Sports is very happy with the Big Ten uh, content right now, and that's going to continue to, to drive this discussion. And some of the other talks, you know, that Oklahoma State has to go with Oklahoma, that's gone. That's, that's seven, eight yeah. years ago, right? Those, those things are, are – it is – Big Ten is in a, a position of leverage here, and they're not just going to take Oklahoma State to get Oklahoma. Um, that's the same thing with Texas. I understand the hatred versus Texas, guys. I get it. I, I know the frustrations. I'm all there with you. But the Big Ten's not going to take Texas on Texas's terms – Right, they're going to take them on our terms, and that's a big difference. Um, yeah. So I, I think Texas does make tons of sense in that that situation. Yeah. Well, I think I mean you said the word evolve, and things have evolved a lot since 2011, and just there's a lot of kind of old, you know, just thing you know things that we never thought would have happened 10 years ago. They've happened now, and so. Texas and Texas A&M aren't playing each other. They're not in the same conference. And those are those used to be old wives' tales that they can't split up because of state legislatures. Well, things can happen. And they're just there's not the leverage anymore for Oklahoma state legislature to tell, you know, to tell the Big 10, "Well, you can't have Oklahoma unless you get Oklahoma state too." That just isn't the that's not the reality of of how this works anymore. Um, I do think, and you mentioned this, Dave, you know, the concerns that we have about Texas coming in and taking over a conference the Big Ten is maybe the one conference, honestly, that absolutely can stand up to it because we have our own power players that aren't going to put up with it. I mean, yeah. you're not going to come into Ohio State and, and Michigan and Penn State and push them around the way that you could come into the Big 12 and do it. And Nebraska stood its ground. Nebraska did everything it could back in the Big 12 days. It just didn't have enough support from, from the higher-ups or the other no schools. Yeah. Well, that's not going to happen if they, if they join the Big Ten. What I'm curious is – is that if they joined the Big Ten, if Texas did, would that come at the expense of the Longhorn Network not being there anymore? I would yes. imagine it would have to. There's it, no way they're going to allow – not the Big Ten. They would never allow a school like that to nope. have that. And plus, does anyone know, is that making any money at all for ESPN? No. I have no idea when that yeah, contract ESPN would... up, but I can't fathom. Their Boomers, is that. anything yeah. making money for ESPN well, no, right now? Points. Yeah, <laughs> that's – yeah. Maybe Disney on Ice is probably doing okay. <laughs> Some of the content on ESPN eight the Ocho might be you know drawing something, but yeah, otherwise good good point. So yeah, the Longhorn Network is a fifteen year deal, I believe, Ooh, wow. for like fifteen million a year, some insane thing like that. And um, yeah, my understanding is it's not doing well, and it's not really doing well for Texas in the sense that it's not helping exposure, right? Um, so I, I could see that having a a gentle death at some point through this process. Uh, the reality is, is, is the money that Texas and Oklahoma would get, and the Big Ten would get. Let's face it, um, with a, a an addition of those two programs would be huge, and it would make everyone feel like it was worth it. 
Agreed. All right, great question. All right, guys. What else we got, Honk? No, that's it for the uh, that's it for the social media piece. We we're going to talk some uh, some coaching carousel and some national news. So if we want to go that route now, we can. Yeah. Um, certainly, I guess the big news uh, we recorded last week on Monday night, and of course by Tuesday morning, Urban Meyer <laughs> decided to quit being a coach. And not that that's a <laughs> total shock to us, but uh, I guess it's something we probably should talk about. Uh, any thoughts on this, Mac? You haven't talked in a while. I'll let you uh, start off. Yeah, can't figure it out. Don't understand it. He's on the peak of his game. Doesn't seem to make any sense to me at all. Do you, do you think the brain cyst has anything to do with it, Mac? <laughs> the guy is a pathological liar. <laughs> I mean, like, that's established, right? So, like, who knows? I, who knows? It's crazy to me. And, and part of me wants a piece of him as Frost as our head coach now, but, I mean, well, he'll get the Jeez, chance when he play, when he's coaching at USC in the Rose Bowl in a few years. Oh, my gosh, Michael. He's a perfect fit for USC. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's a perfect, perfect The rumors fit. are already out there that, that Meyer, <laughs> Meyer will be coaching He could bring Lane Kiffin year. over as his OC or something. I mean, um, get Sarkeesian back there, man. Yeah. That's right. Let's have, <laughs> it could be a bl- Art Bryles, you know, could he be the D.C.? I mean, it could well, be a heck of a program. Well, hey, if Hugh Freeze can get a job again, you know, and, and – Obviously, he—that's part of the carousel that's happened in the last week. Hugh Freeze taking over for Turner Gill at at Liberty. That's a um, night and day kind of switch, isn't it? I mean, you couldn't <laughs> find two different people in that. Good grief! Well, Turner Gill retiring to take care of his his ailing wife, and and for all the right reasons. And I mean, I'm, you're not going to hear a bad word about Turner Gill said from anybody on this show. And for him to be replaced by by Hugh Freeze, it's just like wow. Hey, Boomer, can, can you look this up really quick, or you might know? Uh, Liberty, obviously, is a very a Christian institution, uh, have just gone up to FBS Correct. and are and wants to use football as a, a platform for their message. Uh, is the, I don't know, the chancellor or president or whatever a Falwell? Is that uh, correct? Yes, I believe he is. Yeah, I believe it's, uh, or was, anyway. It's not Jerry Falwell, is it? It is might be Junior. Term? Jerry Falwell Jr., I believe, is their president. Yes, it is. And the and the AD is the same AD that was at Baylor, correct? Oh, correct. When, yes, after with all their uh, yeah, all the terrible, Baylor terrible things wild. Baylor did. He he rebounded nicely at it with a job at Liberty. So yeah, as Hugh Freeze well, is a I, natural fit, Art Bryles will probably be there at some point, given the rate they're going at Liberty. So yeah, hope you're proud of yourself, Liberty. Yeah. Well, hockey. Let's run through some other of these these coaching hires. Right. We have. Uh, Georgia Tech, one of your favorite schools. Um, <laughs> not anymore. The triple any- option's going away. Has uh, hired Jeff Collins, I believe, at Temple, who uh, I think most people think this is a pretty good hire. Uh, we have Colorado uh, finalizing the deal with Mel Tucker, the Georgia D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what else is out there that's of, of note. Well, Kansas State fans don't seem to be oh, yeah. thrilled right now with getting a national championship uh, Division One or FCS school, I guess uh, they they feel like they're a little bit above that right now. It sounds mm-hmm. like so they they have uh, got Cl- Chris Kleiman as their new head coach. Now it's interesting. I think he's finishing out the run with North Dakota State, potentially trying to win a a fourth national title there as head coach. Um, but uh, it, it is interesting. The K State fans are not responding well to this. I don't know what, what to tell them. I understand if. Um, you look at Craig Bull's uh, lack of big-time success at Wyoming right now, sure, but I think Kleinman looks like a pretty darn good coach. Uh, that's a, a interesting. Well, I'm not sure who else they thought yeah. they were going to get. I mean, who was a 
prime candidate for a They want to bring Venables. Yeah. I mean, that, that in their minds, wow. Brent Venables <laughs> or anybody in the Snyder coaching tree like Belima or Stoops or any of those guys, I guess, would have been like, well, that's – that's obvious, and it's just not going to happen. So, I mean, you always can, hear. Can he out recruit Miles for the state? Yeah, the state of Kansas has two national championship coaches now. One at the two, and right. one at the the, you know, the the FBS level. I mean, that's a who'd have thought that? But I, I love, I love, I just love that Les Miles is back in college football. I think he should be coaching. However, I don't know if anybody watched his press conference. Did you see his? Uh-uh. Oh, my goodness. It was like he had a stroke in the middle of it. <laughs> they asked him a question, and it was the longest pause, and then just like the perfect less mile answer. And, <laughs> and like people were just like, well, okay, you know, next question. But I don't know. I'm just I'm, – I'm curious to see how he does there. It should be fun. What the heck? I mean, what's Kansas got to lose? More so, football games. What about so I guess- – Oh, I'm sorry. Dave. I was just going to mention this is not a head coach, but uh, USC did hire a new offensive coordinator, uh, Cliff Kingsbury. Kingsbury is out there, and uh, I think he will fit quite well into the Southern California lifestyle. Uh, my cousin uh, lives in uh, Manhattan Beach. Uh, Cliff has already changed his Twitter profile to the Manhattan Beach Pier, so I got a feeling where that's where he's going to be living. So mm-hmm. um, it's a it's a horrible lifestyle out there for Cliff. But I think that will be an interesting hire, and I think USC will. It's really th- think about it, Boomer. You, you followed USC relatively closely. Uh, bringing the air raid out there, where USC is probably the most physical Pac-12 team, maybe along with Stanford. You know, they they like big offensive linemen and and physical defense, and that's not what you know Kingsbury had at Texas Tech. So no, it'll be interesting to see how that. I think drives. that's probably the interesting thing, though. Maybe him as the offensive coordinator, and we've always talked about it. Why can't those teams ever seem to pair? that kind of an offense with a physical style defense. Maybe this is kind of the right fit for him. And it's an interesting move for USC, especially when you got Chip Kelly at UCLA. So you're going to be seeing two probably pretty high-flying offenses in the Southern California area, you think, with talent to be able to run it. So it should be kind of interesting to see which one of those two programs really starts turning out on offense first in the next few years. Yep. And I'm, a, I'm having some brain flatulence right now. So is there... Is there any other Big Ten coaches that have left other than Meyer, or is this, or is this going to be a well, pretty quiet? Maryland offseason? obviously yeah. Durkin's gone, and they hired yeah. Mike Loxley. Um, Rutgers, and that's and yeah. Because where did Loxley come from? Really matter. Yeah, from Alabama. Uh, so he was that's the right, offensive the cor- coordinator uh, yeah. the last couple of years. Uh, before that, he was at Maryland, and before that, he had a horrible stint at at New Mexico. Uh, yeah, New Mexico as head coach, which was absolutely atrocious. But apparently, that's been forgiven uh, with the Nick Saban rehabil- rehabilitation program, and uh, he's, he's back on. <laughs> it could be its own campus. reality series. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that was it for the Big Ten. You know, Rutgers yeah, doesn't right. matter, and well. Lovey Smith got an extension, I think, and that's about it, really. Yeah, pretty quiet. Yeah. Kirk French get an extension too. Oh, and a bonus. He got one in the middle of this podcast, you know, because we mentioned this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's it for the coaching carousel then. All right, Hockey, let's uh, maybe wrap this up uh, before we head into uh, the bull pick with a little recruiting talk. The recruiting pipeline. You know, uh, we did have a, a big uh, commitment last week with Wandell Robinson who uh, came on board flipping from Kentucky. Uh, that was a big storyline a few weeks ago when he we surprisingly took the Wildcats over Nebraska. But 
We put the full court press on with Ryan Hild and Troy Walters, even a night. Um, like the entire coaching staff was there. Mac, uh, are you excited about Wandell joining the offensive side of the ball? Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't want to get I don't want to get hypocritical and, and over talk a, a, a recruit, but but this guy's pretty special, and he is a perfect fit for this offense and. Uh, his recruitment, I got to tell you, Husker fans, if, if we're going to recruit with big boys, this is the kind of game we're going to have to play. These kids can be a little bit troubling, you know, and they have handlers at this level. Yeah, that's and a, you've yep. got other things factoring into it, and you're going to just have to be willing to ride these out. Resist social media at those <laughs> moments, folks. Please stay off of that. Because look at the, look at this game. because. Wandell, he, he decommits from us, or, or he was our silent commit that, that goes away, and he goes Kentucky. And the, the staff doesn't panic. They get their visits in. They save Scott Frost for the big boy visit at the end just tonight. And, and they he land brought the guy. rest of the, the staff, And, and too. You, just, you keep the lines of communication open, and you keep recruiting and being honest and build a relationship. And that's how, you, and that's how this staff does it. And, and it, we're just going to have to kind of hold on for this kind of guy. But, but Mr. Kentucky, four-star, he is the uh, Rondale Moore of, of this recruiting class. He's kind of that similar build. So, yep, that's uh, right. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic pickup. It, was really, it really was a big-time get. He was probably one of the top guys on their board offensively. We'll be in early as well. You know, yep. something that Maurice yep. Washington, I think, might be similar from a talent perspective, but he didn't get here till August, right? And right. Yep. He's going to be right. putting the weight on this year finally. Well, uh, Wondell's already a little bit bigger to begin with, and he's going to be in, in the program in January. So, yeah, it's not not just Wondell Robinson. It's that type of player that works in the duck art position and in actually multiple positions in Scott Frost's offense. And the more talent we have on offense – uh, and the more guys that Adrian can distribute to, um, I think that's a, a critical part of the of the recipe. And you know, and Mac, you mentioned the stay off the social media fans if you're getting a little frustrated about things. Man, I wish Kentucky fans would have done that afterwards. They they flat out embarrassed themselves after Robinson uh, decommitted there. Um, and and you know that again, this is part of Kentucky's not a blue blood. Their fans don't know how to deal with the sting of losing a player of his caliber. Uh, we we do we've we've had players come and go and you know the Jameer Calvins and all those kind of things throughout the years it just happens so when it happens you win some you lose some when guys decommit you move on to the next guy it, you know as best as you can and and let the coaches take care of the thing like you said Mac Frost and staff they they didn't give up on Robinson they kept with him and uh, and hopefully he signs here in you know two weeks and and. Or was it next week already? Isn't it? It's next Wednesday. Yeah. Isn't it's it? next so Wednesday. In fact, or... that's when. Yeah, we'll be recording our, our next redcast. Will be next Wednesday night after the after the signing. So, yep. Hopefully, ever you know. Hopefully, we get those guys to sign. And you know, it's it's another great example of you know when when he first flipped and went to Kentucky. You know, the, most of the major recruiting sites are telling him kind of to move on. This guy's not coming. You know, this one, this this ship has sailed. You know, yeah, how little and, they know. It, it, they don't know, and they just don't know. And this this staff, I swear to God, man, they they pull these. We'll get we'll get commitments from guys that you didn't even know that were necessarily on the radar. I mean, we have a very fringe understanding of what this what this staff is doing. So, I mean, you like to. To date, I feel like their roster management's been pretty good, with a few exceptions here and there. But man, I have I have no problem with how they're recruiting right now. We're we're going to be close to a top fifteen class. I don't know. It just depends how it all shakes out. But it's a solid class. 
Yeah, and, and we're that's in year a, two after a four and eight season, right? Yeah. Imagine yeah. these guys go ten and two next year. Right. Yeah. Well, and another guy I want to talk about that that again, not scholarship, but this is kind of the this is the old school and the new school in Nebraska melt, you know, kind of working together. We got Luke Reimer, safety from Lincoln North Star. He decommitted from South Dakota State, uh, full ride to walk on it in you. And again, that's one of those old you know the the old tales that we were hearing over the last few years. Well, you can't get kids to walk on anymore. They they're they're not going to turn down money. They're not going to you know and and having full rides. They're not going to go to places. South Dakota State's a good school. That's yeah. a good program. They were just playing last weekend in the in the playoffs. They've got good facilities. Uh, Goddard, I think the uh, isn't that the tight end at 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 Philadelphia? The that you know he's a South Dakota State guy from last year. I mean you can yeah go, they can get guys to the you, league. They can get you to the league right and. You know what? Nebraska can still go after those kids. We can still be bringing in great walk-on classes, and this this looks to be a second great walk-on class in a row of decent size, and also kids that had options to go other places. So, not we're not just going into the southeast and winning big big uh, victories like we did against with Robinson there, which is great. Mm-hmm. But we're we're cleaning up in state too. So, I mean, absolutely kudos to to Frost and staff. All right, great stuff, great stuff. All right, are we ready for some bowl pick'em? Redcast predictions. All right, fellas. Uh, as Hockey mentioned, we have the bowl pick'em up online. It's ESPN. It's all 41 bowls or whatever we have out there these days. Um, and uh, we're not going to try to tackle all 41 in this segment. I know we would, but I, I don't think that's good podcasting. So let's just pick out uh, the Big Ten games and the New Year's Day 6 games and just kind of focus on those. All right, guys? Sounds good. Love it. All righty. Let's uh, start with the very first Big Ten uh, matchup, Minnesota uh, versus Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech is favored by four. Boomer, you might be able to help and make sure I I actually mention which bowl games these are. Is that the the Detroit Bowl? Yes, this is the Quick Lane Bowl in beautiful downtown Detroit the day after Christmas. Yes. So it's bound to be a capacity crowd. Yeah, (laughs) at least they have Minnesota there. They usually have, like, one of the central Michigans of of sorts there, but actually have a Power 5, Power 5. Honky, I know you're a big Georgia Tech fan. This is Paul Johnson's last game. Uh, Who are you taking? Uh, I'm going to go with Minnesota. I think uh, they're they're rowing the boat and they've got some momentum going. So they do seem to be going in the right direction, Mac. I, I'm going to co- I'm going to tow the uh, conference line and go with Minnesota too. I think uh, I don't know. I don't I don't see Georgia Tech playing inspired ball now that Johnson's leaving. And yeah, it, it's a big win for it, it'd be a big win for Flag. Mm-hmm. Yep. Boomer. Uh, Georgia Tech. They're going to try to send Paul Johnson out a winner. Wrong. Yeah, I'm. I'm intrigued that Tech is favored by four here, and I feel like it is sentimental. Minnesota. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the Gophers. We'll see. Uh, I totally have the right to change all of these picks. Actually, online, I'm not for certain on any of these. All right, let's uh, take uh, Miami, uh, who has played a bowl game in New York City before, uh, playing Wisconsin in the Pinstripe Bowl. The Hurricanes are favored by four. Honky. I just think Wisconsin is just every reason I have every reason to take them in this, and I'm just not going to. I think they're they're tanking it as the season's gone down. I'm gonna go with Miami. Wow. Interesting. Mac. I'm gonna go with Wisconsin. 
All right. Not because I disagree with you at all, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just Wisconsin's got to be a better team, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, that's be my thinking. Way better than that seven to five. I'm going to take this the Badgers does, too, but I mean, yeah, Dave. This T- does Taylor's th- probably going to go over two thousand yards in this game. And yeah, he's not even not. He wasn't in New York. This, this doesn't necessarily pertain to this game, but but in the Gotham Bowl played in New York in 1962, we played Miami and they played a strong game. So ah. uh, that was part of my reasoning. <laughs> Good. Good point. I like that. Yeah. Boomer, Boomer, would you like to go with that reasoning? Or? It, it's solid. It's hard to punch holes into that logic. I just question how motivated this hurricane batch is going to be for this game. So let's go with Wisconsin, although I'm second-guessing myself already. Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, we This is a big one right here, in my opinion. Purdue against Auburn. First chance here for the Big Ten to take on the SEC and – in particular, uh, Purdue uh, trying to show that the Ohio State uh, victory was not a albatross or whatever hog you would like to call it. Uh, the Tigers are favored by four. Hockey is aching. I is, think this is the albatross bowl, right? Um, it's the, the Franklin Harry. American Mortgage Music City Bowl. There you go. Of course it is. I, I'm absolutely going with Purdue here. I, I think that they have momentum with Brom sticking around. Uh, I'm excited to see Moore get out there and and show his talents against this SEC defense. And, and if it's Auburn in a bowl game, anything like last year, they'll just lose it and then claim that they didn't you know try or care about it. So, yeah, I'm going Purdue. Yep. Mac? Uh, I honestly think Auburn stomps Purdue almost to death. I just – I'm kind of curious to see what the – the different athleticism is. I'm, I haven't totally. You know what? It surprises me a little bit with you, Hunk, because you've been a non-Purdue guy all year. But I guess you're full Purdue now. I'm not going Auburn. Auburn. Boomer. Yeah, this is where the world is so dark. Philosophy kicks in. Uh, Auburn's going to win this. I think pretty handily. Yeah, I. I, I mean, they should be disappointed as well, right? The Auburn supposedly was a top ten team to start the year. Everybody remembers that loss last year, too. I mean, it's important for them. Yeah, kind of. This is not a great Auburn team. Let's just flat out call yeah, it. Yeah, Stidham it is. Is, is, did not perform well This at is all. not I, – I mean, to me, this isn't even an upset. So, I mean, to, I, I get it, you know. Is it not a great Auburn team? Is this a great Purdue team? I mean, I don't, I don't know that they're a great say, Purdue team. I'll just say if I had to pick a better win out of the two teams, I'd say Purdue by far has a better win than, than what – out of these two teams with what uh, Auburn was able to do. Yeah. Auburn now, Grand Auburn beat beat Washington in that great neutral site game a hour and a half <laughs> away from their campus, but that's another point. We'll, we'll continue on. I'll, I'm going to take Purdue on this one. I'll believe in hockey for just for the change, at least for the Ooh, That's a bad hey. idea, Dave. Bad idea. Well, here's a, this is a weird scenario. Hockey <laughs> yeah, and Dave on the same side. Yeah. Almost never happened. All right, let's, uh, let's see what we got here. We have uh, Michigan State taking on Oregon. This is the uh, Red Box Bowl, formerly known as Foster Farms, another bowl that Nebraska's been in in recent times. Uh, the Ducks are favored by three. Honky? Uh, you could times that by ten. Oregon will destroy Michigan State in this game. I'm shocked it's only a three-point uh, spread yep. there. Mac? Yeah, I, I, I don't see any chance of them slowing them down. It's going to be Oregon. Boomer? Do you know if Lewerke is actually going to get healthy for Michigan State? This, that seems like that would be a, the deciding factor here if this game could be. Even if he is, is he going to play? I don't know. I, it's hard to say what they're going to do. Who knows? I, I, nothing they've shown me all year shows they have any offense to score more than nine points. So I think Oregon wins this. Yeah, I'm going to also take Oregon just 
too much uh, for the Sparty. All right, uh, I think this might be one of the best matchups of bowl season here, Northwestern versus Utah. This is the Holiday Bowl down in San Diego, and uh, we've got Utah favored by seven, but I, I think the Wildcats could get a shot here. Honky, what do you think? Well, I think it's the first team to two wins, and I'm going to give that to the Utes. All right, going to get the Big Ten again. Mac? I think Northwestern continues to pull its weight, and I think it'll somehow make a dirty game like they do and win it. Yeah, that could happen. Boomer? Uh, I think Northwestern has a good chance. They they punch at everybody's weight class. I'm not sure what to make of Utah this year. Let's go Northwestern. We'll pull this off or salvage a Big Ten win somewhere. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Utah a, a lot this year. Uh, but I, I will also take Northwestern. I, I think they just have enough magic in them to, to get one more W. Dave, Dave, can I throw one question to you? Give yeah. me the over. Give me the over under on that game. What you uh, what you think the over under on Northwestern oh, Utah I'd, will be? I'd probably say low forties, forty three, forty four, something like that. Yeah, Utah's <laughs> offense isn't as bad as as you think, and I think Northwestern. Yeah, other than that, okay. I don't think it's that bad. Um, all right. Well, this one uh, I, I might might differ on though. Uh, we've got Mississippi State seven point favorites over our favorite foe to the East, the Iowa Hawkeyes. This is in the Outback Bowl on January first. Honky. Well, I don't even know who's playing for Iowa in this game anymore. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with Mississippi State just because Iowa will blow it and and hurt our conference. Highly likely, Mac. Mississippi State, because Iowa sucks so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Boomer? Uh, Ferentz gets a one-month extension for every blooming onion he eats before the game, so he's going to be distracted. So Mississippi State wins this. <laughs> How many bonuses will he earn in a loss? You know, it's like, well, that's, score that's... two touchdowns in a bowl game. Ah, oh, it's $100,000. <laughs> <laughs> all going. the contracts structured like like Ferentz. Uh, I'm also taking Mississippi State. Um all right, uh, Citrus Bowl being played at the same time, probably. Uh, our favorite Southeastern Conference school team right now, the Kentucky Wildcats, somehow ranked 14th in the country. I don't know on what basis. Uh, playing Penn State. Honky? Penn State by 25. Yeah, I think Penn State's a far superior team. Mac? I'm not exactly sure how the matchup favors either team. I really want to see Penn State tattoo Kentucky. Kentucky so. has a very good defense. They have uh, multiple, you know, like all-American type players in defense. Okay. Josh Allen is a really good linebacker. Offensively, they're just not not that good. So, Boomer, if Penn State loses this, I'm going to be horribly, horribly disappointed, and maybe should put Rutgers in against them. But uh, yeah, let's go <laughs> Penn State. Yeah, I'm also taking. Penn State. Um, all right. Uh, I think this is now into the uh, the New Year's Six. We have Florida versus Michigan. Honky, who do you got? I'm going to go with Michigan, and I, I'm actually going to pick Michigan fairly convincingly. I'll say double digits. Yeah, this is the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Mac, same Michigan, Harbaugh O's. Yeah, it's true. These teams have played a lot recently, right, Boomer? I mean, they played in bowl games. I think they played in one of the, the early season games, not too, like maybe just last year. Uh, you also taking the Wolverines? Uh, 
God, I'm almost tempted to take Florida just because Michigan's still coming off that horrible beating they just took and a lot of disappointment. I don't know what kind of hangover they're going to have. Motivation. Uh, yeah. I, well, will they have any? Because, I mean, God, this is a big letdown for them. Uh, let's stick with the darkness theme. Let's say Florida wins. Ooh, all right. I'm going to just take Michigan because I, I think they're a far better team than Oh, I Florida think they are too, but again. really never yeah. showed me anything all year long. And we haven't heard, any, like, no one from Michigan sitting out the game, are they, that we know of? Uh, yeah, Gary is. Oh, Gary is. Uh, yeah. I'm still taking him. <laughs> all right, that's good enough. Uh, all right, uh, Washington, uh, Ohio State. This is the granddaddy of them all, Rose Bowl. Ohio State and Urban Meyer closing out his career. Um in the Rose Bowl. Buckeyes are favored by six and a half. Let's go the other way around. Boomer, who do you got? Is this career with like air quotes around it, Dave? I mean, yes, okay. yes. That's what that. Uh, Ohio State's just way more talented and a better team than, than Washington, so Buckeyes. Yeah, I'm going to say the same thing with the Buckeyes. Mac? Buckeyes. Honky? Ohio State will do to Washington what Stanford did to Iowa in the bowl game. In the rose. Okay. Um, let's look. Uh, let's go. PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, guys. Right. What have we been waiting for? Uh, LSU Tigers. I'm sure they're not going to be motivated at all, and no one's playing uh, against these uh, Knights of UCF. Honky, you think uh, the Knights can pull off another? New Year's Day 6 victory versus an unmotivated SEC school? Yeah, I'm taking UCF, even with the backup quarterback. Uh, LSU, I'm sure, will have eight guys sitting out for the draft, and that'll give ESPN plenty of reasons and excuses for their loss. So, yeah. UCF. Def- Greedy Williams is definitely already sitting out for LSU. I know that. Mac? I'm actually going to go with UCF, too. I think uh, for all the reasons Anki said, I'd – I don't know how tuned in they'll be for this game. I think it'll be hilarious when the SEC loses a consecutive bowl game to this team and, <laughs> and that nobody's given them any kind of votes for a playoff. So, yeah, let the pain continue. It should be fun. Yeah, why not? All right. Uh, Boomer? Uh, speaking of letting pain continue, I'm just going to take LSU just because they take away everything nice and fun that we have in this whole postseason. So, yep, yeah, LSU will somehow pull this off and spoil all of our good time on January. So. Yeah, I'll. I'll <laughs> yeah, I'm going, to, I'm going to be logical myself. I'll take LSU just because of the injury to to Mackenzie Milton, but I do think UCF could clearly pull that game off. Just curious though, if if Mackenzie Milton was completely healthy, would you? Would I would you pick, probably, probably UCF, take UCF. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. I, I, definitely right. I mean, yeah. that's oh, yeah. and honestly, definitely. I I'm really tempted to still take him because the hockey's point. I mean, Mac looked pretty good in that uh, conference championship game there against Memphis. Yeah, he's he's a um, good backup, and they've got capable running backs to pick up the the slough. So yeah. I I wouldn't be shocked if they win. I hope they do. But yep, yep. Yeah. All right, uh, All State Sugar Bowl, Texas versus Georgia. Mac, let's have you start this one. Oh my goodness, um. I'm going to go with Georgia. I'll go with Georgia. Yeah. Honky? I'm going with the kind of the what we talked about with Michigan. Can they come back and, and uh, you know, have the motivation after that big loss? I'm going to say Georgia doesn't have the motivation. I'm giving it to Texas. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm going to take Georgia. Boomer? Let's see. Future Big Ten member Texas versus what we're told is like the 
first or second best team in the nation somehow, I think, with two losses. Yes. Is that right? Okay. Yeah, let's go to Georgia. <laughs> Uh, all right, guys, let's uh, head into these uh, uh, playoff games. We've got Notre Dame versus Clemson. I believe this is in the Cotton Bowl. Cotton is that Bowl, right, guys? correct. Yep. Uh, so let's start with hockey. Who you got? Clemson is favored by 11 and a half. Jeez, I am going with Clemson. Yeah, hard to go against them. Mac? Yeah, with all with all unoriginality, I will also pick Clemson. I'm also taking the Tigers, Boomer. Yeah, I think Notre Dame has a slim chance at this. You know, some quarterback play. I mean, Clemson seemed vulnerable against good quarterbacks this year. I yeah. just I just don't know if Notre Dame will still be clicking by that point. So let's just go with Payne again. Go with Clemson. Yeah, it'd be awesome if Notre Dame could oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, to be fair, I have not been able to watch either of these two teams that much this year. I just haven't seen their games. Yeah, yeah I hear you. I, I, I don't know anything about Notre Dame. I really don't. I don't know. Well, both. I mean, they, the I fact know. that Notre Dame plays a lot of ACC teams, at least you would imagine that there's enough kind of crossover games where you know you could have like opponents. Sure. And I don't know how sure. they... I mean, it, it's still weird that he's a true freshman quarterback at Clemson. He's a, like to, to be picking him over these. I don't know. I, I guess Notre Dame's guys young too. So yeah. recent recent years, true freshmen and young quarterbacks have done just fine. It just it doesn't mean like. anything anymore. Yep. Yep. That's right. All right, and let's uh, finish this thing up with uh, Oklahoma taking on Alabama. Uh, you thought Clemson's uh, line was was good. Alabama's favored by 14 over the Heisman Trophy, wow. Trophy winner Kyler Murray and his Sooners. Honky, OU by double digits. Love it. Yeah, I think Bama. I Bama is. This is. Ah, we'll just wait for the game. I, I don't care. Bama's Bama, overrated. Bama is. Honky said it first. Bama needs Bama needs to play a quarterback like what OU has, and they haven't had to play it this year. Uh, They're we'll, all we'll fat see, and happy. Up we'll in we'll see how good we'll see how good they are. All right, all right, Mac. <laughs> I'm gonna take Alabama. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna take Alabama. Boomer. Uh, I want to root it harder for the Sooners in my life, but uh, unfortunately, the way our the college football postseason set up, it benefits teams with so much raw talent like Alabama because you take all these weeks off and it lets offenses kind of get you know rusty and. Hmm. Lose a step and things, so it's hard to bounce back and play a great game, you know, after having a couple of weeks off. And just like playing a game at the beginning of the season, that raw talent's usually going to win nine times out of ten. So it's going to be Alabama because life sucks. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll probably take Alabama as well, even though I, I kind of get Honky's uh, thought process there. And um, I don't know, may, maybe I'll, I'll change my mind before we make our I, official picks. I would take the points, though. I don't. I don't think Alabama beats them by 14. Yeah, I, no I, I don't believe that for a second. I just think Bama's overrated. Just flat out do. Yep. I think I think Alabama will score them at will, but I think Oklahoma's going to put yeah, them. Yeah, Oklahoma's used to have – Oklahoma's, Oklahoma's used to team scoring. Yeah, Oklahoma's yeah, they're never going to get scared by the score. They're just going to keep winging it. You yeah, know? what are you going to do, put 40 up on Oklahoma? That happens think, every I week. Think the, you can't scare, the thing you can't will be, scare a Big 12 team. <laughs> will Oklahoma's defense be able to team. score or get those big turnovers like they had been doing against West Virginia and Texas? Because their defense lets yeah. everybody score a whole bunch. But they'll usually yep. generate, you know, seven to fourteen points on their own, which is enough to win a game for them. Are they going to be able to do that against yep. Alabama? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah, Alabama. Well, who's, who's you know who's, who's Bama's QB? I right. mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of ifs there too. I just 
Yeah, All right. we'll college football, baby. Let's, let's, we will find out. Yeah. We'll find out. I'm looking forward to seeing how the bull pick'em turns out. All right, guys, let's get out of here with some parting shots. Honky? Obviously, guys, say volleyball. Um, we're in the Final Four for the fourth straight year. or Yeah, fourth straight year of Final Four for volleyball. Unbelievable job by Coach Cook and the girls. Those seniors, uh, Fecky and, and the other girls, that I mean, my gosh, all they know is – is is going to the to the the elite yeah. pinnacle of volleyball? It's amazing. And this year alone, they're twelve zero in sets in these four games. They haven't lost a set, you know, through the first two weekends. So amazing job, girls! Keep it up. Uh, everyone's going to be watching eight o'clock on on Thursday night. So uh, uh, take on uh, Illinois, I guess. So it's an all Big Ten game there, and uh, let's get to the championship. All right, Mac. I just want to give a a, a big. Tip of the cap to the uh, the crowd at Pinnacle Bank for the Creighton game. A lot of fun, like I said before. Uh, the the uh, student section was was uh, on point, calling Creighton out for all their sins. Had a blast, <laughs> you know. The the environment for you know coming back to Lincoln. That's exactly what I wanted to be a part of. It's just kind of this big game, big atmosphere. Omaha versus Lincoln. There wasn't hardly any blue in the stadium. It was just a blast. So, so kudos to the basketball crowd, man. It was a lot of fun. Very cool. All right, Boomer. Yeah, I, I wanted to follow on Honky's uh, steps there and just give a shout out to the volleyball team. I mean, my God, you know, four, four Final Fours in four years. I, there's not too many programs on anything I can say that. And, and this was supposed to be a rebuilding year. For this team yep. too. I mean, that's just impressive. It's just quality play on the players' part, really stepping up when it mattered, and just doing a heck of a job. You know, Alabama only wishes they could be as consistent as you know Husker volleyball is. So let's go with that. So yeah, yeah, that's right. All right, guys, great stuff, great stuff. Uh, as Honky mentioned a little while ago, we'll have a slightly delayed uh, redcast next week so we can catch. National Signing Day on Wednesday the 19th, so we'll be out show just after that. Looking forward to it, guys. Let's call that a Go Big Redcast. Go Big Red. Need Illinois and Oklahoma State. Two different schools. And your demons. <laughs> <laughs>